The following audio is from Morningstar Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio. For more information about Morningstar, visit morningstardayton.org. We are excited to be here today. We're back for the first time in a little while on the Morningstar podcast. My name's Ben. I'm the associate pastor here at Morningstar Baptist Church, and we're joined always um, by our lead pastor, John Decker. John, how's things going, man? It's been going good. We have been gone for a while, haven't we? Yeah, it's been it's been an awesome, crazy, busy summer where we've been out of town a little bit, mm-hmm. and just not been around um, and able to do this, but we're excited to, to get back into it. Yeah. And uh Kind of had had planned to to start our podcast back up with a with a, a fun um, kind of preview into our fall, um, but as we looked at it, we we kind of decided that we would be remiss if we didn't take a second and and just talk about what has happened over the last week or so in our nation mm-hmm. and even in our backyard. Right. And so uh, today we're going to take a look um, at what can be kind of a hard topic to mm-hmm. to talk about um, as we work through some of the um, emotions and some of the uh, difficulties to the tragedies that had hit our nation that have hit um, not only the state that we live in but also your home state yeah. um, of Texas and so um, we are excited is not the right word we're we're eager to talk about um, the response of a Christ follower to these type of moments. Yeah, because both events, and, and really they're not, it's nothing new, let's right. be honest. This, this, These things have been going on for longer than than even just recently, even longer mm-hmm. than the last 20 years, longer than the last 30 years. It's just, it always seems to be brought to the forefront, especially when certain circumstances are met, it's brought to the forefront. But it does really bring in the church to the to the the very beginning of this conversation because we're in community. Mm-hmm. We're, we're called to community. We're called to a uh, place where we have local churches. They're supposed to be spread out in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all other parts of the earth. And so when things like this happen, um, even the tornadoes that we had here just, uh, you know, a couple months ago too, yeah. it's the same thing. Like the, what is the church's response? What should our response be? Um, where, where, what's the answer to this? What's our, what's our dialogues? What should it be like? And, and it, and it should go beyond us just saying, "Hey, we're we're going to pray for them." And obviously, mm-hmm. prayer is big. And I, and I know every time something like this happens, people immediately go to their social media pages and pray for El Paso, pray for Dayton. Uh, I remember a few years ago when the thing happened in France or last year, pray for France. And right. great, and we need to do that. But at what point does our prayers become some kind of action? And what is what is that action? What is appropriate? And I think sometimes where it's very easy to get distracted on the peripheral mm-hmm. um, things that we can take action on, and but it doesn't really solve the problem. And I, I think that's why we're both eager to jump into this conversation today. Yeah. And, and we spent some time, um, just personally kind of walking through, you know, what we're, we're really getting into, um, because there's a lot of emotion with it, um, on every side of, right. of the issue, there's, there's emotion that goes with it. And so, um, on the morning of, of August 3rd in El Paso, Texas, um, a young man entered um, the store there mm-hmm. and killed 22 people and injured 24 right. other people. And um, a l- there's been a lot to say and to hear about um, these 
issues and the the gunman himself there's always a look into why and what and and um and and so we'll start with that one just because mm-hmm. it's the one that that happened happened first and right. um what where were you at when you when you heard about this one what was what was your initial thought process and right well i mean I, like everything we we um it it kind of hit it was another it's kind of a mixed reaction because at first you're like oh man another one yeah and then when you start seeing numbers, for me, numbers represent people. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's easy to get wrapped up. Okay, twenty, eighteen, twelve, but even if it's just one, I mean, you're like, okay, that represents a person. That's a life, um, and and a person who is created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of my first reaction. But we'd actually just got back from Florida um, the day before, and I'm trying to get ready for Sunday, and we're obviously processing all that and getting getting geared up for our day and. And, uh, and I remember it came across my news feed and, and I just want heartbreak, frustration, anger, it just same, a lot of the same emotions that everybody goes through when they right. see that. Um, and just disbelief that again, this is where we're at again. And yeah. so then watching and trying to figure out, um, like you, you want to know why you want, you want to know information. Right? right. And, and of course, always the first reports that come out are very vague. It's just shooter. Right. And, right. and shooter kills X amount of people. And, and then the news videos start coming out and the photos of you see this guy walking into Walmart with the the rifle shouldered like he's ready to pull. He's not it's not slung over his shoulder. He's actually got it in the firing position. And when I say shoulder for those who don't uh, aren't familiar with firearms, it's, it's tucked into his shoulder and he's got his finger on the trigger and is he's pointing it out in front of him. And so my background, obviously being law enforcement, I'm like, why did anybody not notice this guy walking into Walmart with a gun shouldered ready to roll? And. And so that's just, that's how my brain works. So yeah. I'm like, okay, what, where were people? Like, why didn't anybody call anyone at that moment? Why didn't anybody try to figure, okay, this guy's going to do something bad. And so, so trying to get over my frustration at people, um, yeah. for not, not realizing a situation and being aware of their situation. So I have to process through that. That's just who I am. I got to right. process through that. And then, and then trying to figure out who that guy is. Right. And then names start coming out and then information about the guy starts coming out. And then the interviews of that they did with the guys, um, classmates from high school and to me i start getting a picture developed because as a detective i'm starting to put stuff together okay where's this guy's motive and i know there's a whole manifesto that he wrote and all that but it goes long it goes back further than the manifesto he wrote it goes back further than ideology right this goes back to who this guy is and you start hearing the stories of of the his own classmates from high school who say yeah he was in my class and like people even admitting they made fun of this guy because he just had dumb ideas in class. Like when the teacher would ask for a suggestion or a, ask a question and he would answer and everybody's response always was, no, that's stupid. And they would call him by name and say, that's dumb. I should laugh it off. And, and so this pattern of, of, of him not fitting in and of him not really having any friends. And then you talk to people later on after high school, like, well, yeah, he just, he was really standoffish. He didn't want to be friends. Well, he didn't want to be friends because he never had any friends. Right. Yeah. I, it, I, I kind of heard some of the same stuff about him not having any friends and and being made fun of and and some of the the uh, the manifesto uh, mm-hmm. things and it, I kind of caught all of it Sunday morning because mm-hmm. Saturday is, is kind of a a weird day for me so like the first part of the day I'll, I'll spend most of the time with just the family and I try and stay pretty unplugged mm-hmm. from news and media right. and right. any of that stuff because I have to stay so plugged in throughout the week so I kind of just Saturdays kind of just hang out and then the second half of Saturday is when I start really like getting in the zone for for Sunday mm-hmm. and you know start right. thinking through all right I know what my worship set is for the next day but I've got to kind of 
walk back through it and make sure that the, I've got the rhythm right. where it needs to be and and get all that together so that I can get up Sunday morning and, and head in. And then Sunday morning, I listen to the worship set as I drive in. So I kind of stay unplugged from Saturday morning mm-hmm. um, to Sunday night. And so I started hearing about a lot of this stuff on Sunday as people were talking about, right. talking through it because um, I had just pretty well been unplugged. And so my first thing is, is I had a lot of curiosity, like mm-hmm. who who did what and, and what what's all going on. Right. I heard about both events at the same time, so I was trying to figure out. So you heard about Saturday's event and Sunday's event. Yeah, the right, at the, yep. right at the right at the same time, and so I'm I'm processing th- and I'm like, mm. I I've got to do a worship set yeah. here in just a few minutes, and right. um, I, I I can't I can't follow my curiosity right, right this second. So I had to kind of I had to kind of put a stop, mm-hmm. and then and then Sunday afternoon is when I was really able to dig in. So there was more of the information was available mm-hmm. um, then, but kind of the same thing you know you just work through that frustration and anger and if only you know somebody would have been here or somebody would have saw this or somebody would have that same mm-hmm. that same mindset of this i felt you feel like that that event could have not been such a big event right had somebody called the police or somebody, somebody been able to take an action or whatever any yeah, yeah. whatever it mm-hmm. was i mean they're just you think through all of those things mm-hmm. and 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 up here, um, most of the WalMarts when you walk in, there's there's a, a police officer on on duty or right. at least a security guard on duty. Right. And so, right. and so I'm just thinking, wonder if they don't have that. In te- you know, so all kinds of weird mm-hmm. questions that you you ask yourself. But as you process through, so once you kind of process through that initial shock value of of the event in El Paso, what were your um, re- as you begin to work through? the reactions of of that event because you, you talked a little bit specifically on sunday mm-hmm. uh about this young man and the event that goes along with this young man so yeah so like i mentioned earlier trying to research these uh, first of all the el paso when it happened yeah. that's when i saw first on saturday and trying to figure out and, and and hearing more about him and and how he was treated in high school and and be very careful. I'm not saying that his lack of friends caused him to do this. This is not, it goes deeper than that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but what I was thinking through is I'm processing, I'm like, okay, so all these people are having the same story about how they treated this guy in high school. But what if one person would have been super intentional and said, you know what? Like, I'm going to be friends with that. Even if he gets me resistant, I'm, this is my one, this is my person. I'm going to like, I'm going to pour my life into this guy and and almost like make him be friends with him. Like, I'm not going to give up on this person. Mm -hmm. Not that it, it, maybe it wouldn't have changed the outcome, but maybe it would have. We don't know. What we do know is that the, the, that the love of Christ, I mean, Christ can do anything, right? Mm -hmm. So where was some believers? And he didn't grow up in El Paso. He obviously grew up, I think Allen, Texas, I believe is where he grew up. Where was, where was a believer? Where, right. where were the kids that went to youth group? Where were the kids? And, and maybe they did. Maybe people, some people might have, so I'm not putting blame. Maybe somebody did invite him to come right. or whatever. But, but of all the people saying, yeah, we all made fun of this guy. Why? Right. Like, why, why not try to reach out and befriend him in class? Why, why make fun of him? Why not call out those who are, Hey, no, let's leave this guy alone. Like it's just, so what would have happened? What would have been different? And Cause to me, I'm like, how do you stop? Like for me, it's, it's, it's it's tragic that we lose so many lives even just one person i mean it's just it's tra- right i mean we lost over 40 people in chicago on one weekend i mean right. that's a whole different story how nobody's talking about that one but um but trying to wrap my brain around because my my ministry heart is like where were where was that one believer where was that one person in that class in that english class and specifically that's who they were interviewing some people from his english where was that one person say i'm not gonna do that Right. Like I'm gonna sit by this guy. I'm gonna talk to him. I'm gonna try to be friends with him, and I'm gonna even if I get pushed back. 
And, and again, I'm not putting blame on people because mm-hmm. I wasn't there either. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But what if? And, right. And so that's, that's what I've got to happen on my own. What ifs? So first you, you have that, the detective side of you that's right. like, in the a moment, how mm-hmm. could that have been a different right. a, event? Right. And then after that, it's like, okay, now my ministry heart says like, mm-hmm. as he grew up, like how could a Christ follower have impacted his life? Right. And that could have been different. Right. And so right. same, you know, same thing as we talk through that. It's just like you even begin to think like if are there some people that in my past that were that kid? Like, mm-hmm. you know, he was they were made fun of in class all the time. And and you I could have done a better job myself of being in that person's life. Right. And and not that you're like thinking through who do I you know, who do I go to high school with mm-hmm. that could have committed something like but you just think right. like there's people that i i could have done a better job with when i was right in high school and right and that conviction goes to me too because mm-hmm. i remember when i was in high school and honestly if, if we're gonna take an honest assessment even though i was super involved in youth group and i i tried to you know invite people if i was in that class wanting to protect my own social status would i have stood up for him either and so for me that's it's a convicting thing for me anyway and um because i know right but Again, but that's what I'm convicted about. Even now, I'm like, okay, well, am I really living out? Am I really doing instead of this whole thing of playing church? Am I really? Am I really calling? Am I if I'm calling myself a Christ follower? Am I really? What we talked about on Sunday what James says um, when he said that uh, be not a doer, but you, uh, don't be a, just a hearer, but be a doer. And that word is actually a performer. Am I performing mm-hmm. Christ? Performing out Christ in everything I do, even now. And so, again, I'm not putting judgment on the high school because I know for me, I probably wouldn't have right. done it either. But that's why the what if, it's also for what me. What if right. when I was in high school, I would have done a better job of that? What if even yesterday I would have done a better job of performing Christ? So this is not a, a judgment on people. It's a judgment on myself. Right. Because I'm not, we're not even going to say the guy's name because I don't think we want to give him that kind of airtime. But who is that person in my life right now? Right. Right. Not that somebody else is going to be a mass murderer or kill people, but... Maybe they go take their own life. Maybe they uh, drop out and become super depressed. And I'm not right. performing Christ. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be the one who reaches out to them. Like, so it's right. it's very eye opening for me. That's how I process through these things. After mm-hmm. if you're right, like first thing that kicks in is my cop mind, right? Right. And uh, and the second thing is okay, but let's go back further than that. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. And so then the next the next day, um, early morning um, on on August fourth. 10 people were killed, including, um, that includes the, gunman. the gunman, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in our backyard and, um, it, it looks like 27 others were, were injured. And mm-hmm. so that was, that was, that was a real close one. It was close. And honestly, when I saw that one, cause I wake up at 5am on Sunday morning, obviously mm-hmm. and get, get started my process of, of getting to church. And I saw at first when I saw that on my newsfeed, I thought that they just made a mistake and put Dayton instead of El Paso. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, Oh, they, and so I started reading. I'm like, Really? Like a second like, one, like less than 24. I think it was less than like 15 hours or whatever. But yeah. like that time frame, all of a sudden in here, and it's like 10 miles down the road right. or up the road in, in Dayton. And, and knowing some, some of the officers that are in the area that were impacted by that. And so then it's like, okay, now it's in our backyard. What do we do? Right. And, and how do we get involved? Well, and, and it happened 10 miles down the road, but as we come to find out, he was from Bellbrook. Which, which is, is right here by our church. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, yep. which is less than five miles down the road. Yeah. And so now it's like, man, this this guy was was even in our 
within the reach of our mm-hmm. church, right. you know? And so right. you really begin to ask some of the same questions of you, you look at and, and cannot commend the officers in this area enough right. for the, I think the, the shortest time that I saw was 20 seconds. They were on, on scene. And then like right. the longest time that I saw was a, a minute. So yeah. it was, it was like, it was, it was right at 27 seconds. I think from the time that he was shooting to the time they were able to engage him. Yeah. Which nuts. is, is incredible. Mm. And, and how much worse could it have been had they not? And so, man, right. I'm, right. I'm, um, cannot for both El Paso and, mm-hmm. and Dayton, the, sometimes it gets lost and, and I'm sure you, you'll help be able to help mm-hmm. some insight into that. But, um, those first responders, um, it's going to affect their families as well right. for, for a long time. Right. And, um, but man, it was, it was, uh, a lot to take in that it was, it was that close while we were sleeping, getting ready for Sunday. Right. Right. And, and it's just something about being in your backyard mm-hmm. that kind of adds to that and then people are they're wanting to know why and they're wanting to know where, where's God and all this and and all those things and we'll, we'll come back around swing back around to that here in a little bit um, but you're right I mean it, it affects everybody who's on scene it affects those that were injured um, because they're traumatized by right. that um, it affects the police officers in a way that a lot of people can't even really imagine obviously seeing the carnage that they saw is a big deal yeah but then also the idea that they weren't I'll tell you worth personally what I know they're struggling with is because I having that background is well, what if we could have been there in 10 seconds? Right. And there's this guilt that what if we were, but they can't be everywhere all the time. Right. And they can't be at every place. We're, we're not omnipresent. We can't right. do that. But that's their drive to serve and protect is so strong that even in El Paso, I promise you what they're processing right now is what if we would have been able to be there sooner? What mm-hmm. if, because he, that one gave up as soon as they, the cop showed up. Yeah. He just, he gave it, laid down his gun and he gave up. Mm-hmm. And so I know what they're processing right now is what if we could have got there sooner? Like maybe it'll only be one person dead or two or even none. I mean, obviously right. that's, that's their goal. But, um, and so, and then obviously how I, I had the very unique opportunity. Um, I'm part of what's called a critical incident stress management, um, debriefing team. I was asked to be a part of that because of my background in law enforcement, but also being a, a police officer, uh, being also being a, uh, in the ministry. And that was our first call out. What we do is we go and we help um, officers and first responders process through what they saw and experienced and that and, and help basically just get the conversation going. Because right. if you talk about it, it helps. But mm-hmm. as police officers, not just police officers, anybody, we, we tend to internalize things. Mm-hmm. But eventually they're going to come out. And so I was able to go up there and we had a number of, of first responders show up that were there on scene at the moment all that was taking place. And the other morning, I was up till the wee hours of the morning. The other morning, talking with with first responders, and and there's some. I mean, they're dealing with some stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's what they saw and what they experienced. It was a lot of people will never be able to even comprehend that. And and um, but it was it was it was. I can't describe it any other way other than saying it was heartbreaking on one hand, but mm-hmm. it was also very encouraging um, to be able to be a part of that healing process yeah. for them. Um, but um, that was that was a tough situation. Yeah, yeah, and and I know people were probably like, "Well, come on, John, share more with us." And 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 you can't. I can't. And and there's some some not only just you know responsible things, but there's also you know you're you're bound by some some privilege mm, right. things to to be the, the some client almost like a client privilege type of thing to be involved in that. And so maybe you're listening and you're like, John, we want to know more. And, and <laughs> that's why we're not, he's not diving in, in deeper with, with the conversations that we're having because he just, he just can't. Right. And so, um, 
Yeah, so that that was that one. And um, the one thing that struck me, and and as you know, both of these instances, they they immediately started to to demonize the person that that made the that was a part of the shooting, the right. the, the shooter, the mm-hmm. person. Um, but man, like to, I, I couldn't help. I've got a, a little boy and a little girl, and and one of the the victims in this particular shooting was the sister right. of right. the shooter. And right. so a family lost their little boy and their little girl mm-hmm. on the same night. They are feeling the loss of both of those and they're seeing their son's face be put o- all over the news. Mm-hmm. And the picture the news is, has used the most has his sister in the picture right. with him. Right. And so right. I just, for that family, mm-hmm. can't even imagine Right. Um, what it's like to be working right. through that, and, and and there's no doubt that both of these guys are 100 percent at fault. Right. Like they're they're like you said they're guilty. Like that's it's them. They yeah. they did it. But then understand we're coming at it from also understanding that these that the this one set of parents they're grieving. I mean, and trust me, they're grieving also because their son did this. Right. Right. I mean, they're grieving because that, but they also did lose their son and they lost their daughter at the hand of their son. So imagine what they're trying to process. Yeah. All of that. I mean, can you, I can't even imagine either. And I, and I totally get that. And so, man, we're being very careful. We know this guy, these guys were guilty. Like and yeah. they're, they're at fault and they're a hundred percent responsible and it, for sure. Um, but there's still, there's a, a, a wake of tragedy left behind right. that the ripples impact everybody. And the same thing with the shooter down in El Paso is mm-hmm. there's a family now going, what happened to our son? Like yeah, what, like what could we have guy? done different as parents? Right. And, right. And, and I think for me specifically with this one, having a son and a daughter mm-hmm. who are similar in a, like similar in closeness to the, these two, they were, they were both, you know, my, my kids are two years apart and, and they were a similar, um, they were really close in age like that. Right. And so right. that to me is just as a parent mm-hmm. is, is hard to, right to work through that was just one of my initial just right. feelings of man i can't even imagine what that's like to to walk through absolutely and then so that part we can understand them when is when these things happen is immediately um start um revealing the guilty party right, right. and we get that but then it's not just it doesn't stop there then we then we it's not enough to do that then we start moving towards well let's blame their ideology. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think it's where we can camp out right now for just mm-hmm. a minute, uh, to be honest with you, um, is then we look at then immediately, as soon as this happens, this is one thing that frustrates me and we're not going to get political, but mm-hmm. the thing is that immediately the first question that almost the media always wants to know is what affiliation are they? Because yeah. if it serves a certain agenda, they're going to pounce on that. Right. And so when it came out that the shooter in El Paso had this manifesto of, of hate and which there is absolutely no place for hate or prejudice or racism. And so obviously this was a very sick individual and he was twisted and hate filled person. Um, and so that gets blasted everywhere. Right. Right. And then, then start trying to tie that with other people of a certain political party. And, and really, honestly, if I, if I was a victim or if I had a family that was a victim of that, that would make me mad. Right. I'm like, I don't care what this guy's. I he killed my son. He, right. He took. He killed my daughter. Or he he shot me. And and so for me to for them to go and people to go and make it about that, because then when we found out is then the shooter in Dayton, Ohio, was on the op, total opposite. He was yeah. with the other uh, affiliated with the other political spectrum. Right. And 
So then all of a sudden that doesn't get, doesn't get as much play. Right. And, and so what I'm trying to get at is this, is I'm not vilifying either end of the political spectrum, mm-hmm. um, but understanding that that's not even what caused them to do this. Right. It's, when you see two opposites like that. Right. We see, okay, it had nothing to do with either of those two things. Right, because they both responded in a very evil way. Right, and it doesn't matter which side that you're on of, right. of their two spectrums. Mm-hmm. Both of them responded. We've, we've got two sick individuals mm-hmm. who um, needed to get some sort of help of some right, kind. Right, Um Yes, the guy in, in El Paso had this racist um, bent and manifesto, and, mm-hmm. and like John said, like we don't, sometimes we get so caught up in the, well, they were with this party or they were with that party that people say, well, you're ignoring the fact that this guy was, no, I, like just so it's clear that like we don't, there's no spot for racism or hatred of any kind right. towards a political party or a, like that's just not part of being a Christ follower. It's not. And, and, and I even go further, even one step further and say this, honestly, because I, I know sometimes when these things happen, some of our first responses, depending on where you're at, is our, secretly we go, I hope this person wasn't a Republican. Right. Or I hope this person wasn't a Democrat. And honestly, if that's our first response, we're missing the point. Right. Um, because it goes so much deeper than a political party. It goes so much deeper than, than all that. It goes to the fact that there is evil in this world. Mm-hmm. And there are people who are... Some people are just, they're just, evil. They're, they're acting on evil intentions. Some people are like, they're sick and, right. and they're very disturbed. And both of these people had made very overt, they weren't hiding any of this to people. Right. My question then that we would, did it get reported? Right. Right. And, and so I, and that's a different story for a different time. I'm not going to chase that rabbit hole. But again, it's, if our first response is, I hope they weren't a conservative, I hope they weren't a liberal then we're missing the point. Um, And, and then the other thing to demonize it after that is, okay, well, it's the weapon that was used. Right. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's um, AR 15s. That's the problem or it's whatever. But then last night in California, there were four people stabbed to death. Right. At one time. So it's, and then we see places like in England and not even in just England, the, the knife crime in England and China, uh, because guns are so strictly regulated, mm-hmm. people are dying by getting slashed and getting right. stabbed. And then if they can't get that, what do they do? They run people over with their car. And mass casualties and these new things where people are getting vehicles and ramming people down. So it's not even the choice of weapon. Right. It's that there's evil right. in, in the world. And, and not, again, we're not going to get into political debate or, in that, in, or, or gun debate even, but you, we can remove all the knives in the world and all the guns in the world, and we can even regulate all the vehicles in the world. Right. People are still going to take out hatred and frustration. Well, we want to look at it, and even the very first murder of all time, going back to Cain killing his brother Abel, and you compare that to El Paso, compare it to Dayton, it wasn't about a weapon. It was about hatred and evil. Right. It, it was about that there was anger. There was, And so um, as believers, our reaction to that, yes, we, we mourn, and we, we pray for the victims and their families, and we are sorrowful for that. And but legislating murder, it's already against the law to murder. Right. Like it's what we gotta do is figure out how can we impact lives now that might just change or stop or hinder something like this happening in the future. And how we do that is we live out Christ. We mm-hmm. we find those people who are outcasts, the people who are marginalized, the people who are left behind or left out, and we be intentional about going and loving them and not 
not joining with the crowd that might be mocking or making fun of, but going in and loving it. And, and just, and so for me, that's kind of where I believe our, our, our best reaction is supposed to be that we comfort the victims. We love on them. We support any way we can, however God's gifted us. And then we need to go out and go, okay, am I really performing Christ? Am I really living out Jesus who lives in me to everyone? Right. And, and so I think we, we say, you know, we, we talked like the guns aren't the point, the political party's not the point. All the things that are being made the point really aren't the point. And, right. and, and as we, we work through that, and I just want to be like overt, and you, you touched on it, but I want to make sure we're overt about what we're saying, that there's no question about what we're saying. So, so John, if, if those things aren't the point, what's the point? What, what is all this about? What is all this, these events, what, what do they boil down to? If it's not the gun, if it's not the political party, if it's not the, what, what is it? What does it boil down to? I think honestly what it always boils down to is the same thing it always boils down to and, and is just sinfulness and brokenness and evil and people who just are, they're separated from a relationship with their creator mm -hmm. and they, they have no hope. They see no way out or they, they channel their frustrations into anger for a certain race or a certain group of people. And they become so fixated on that because there is no hope or love in their life and because they don't know the author of it. They don't know. And, and that's where we come in and that's where it becomes our responsibility. Our responsibility is not to demonize a political party or our responsibility is not to demonize a group, demonize a group of people or demonize a certain type of weapon. We need to go after, go out on the offense right? and go and share the love of Christ. And really because Christ is the only answer for this world. But we're also told in scripture that this world's only going to get worse and worse. Right now this, this not um, mass murder is not anything new. Right. Like you can go back and study it f for generations before this. Uh, mm -hmm. Bombs were used. Um, I found a, a record of a guy in 1940s um, who killed pe 60 something people by pretending to be vaccinating them and instead injecting them with poison. Right. 69 people in a, in a matter of a, of a week. And so it, this stuff's been going on for a lot longer than what people even realize. And the Bible does tell us that things are going to get worse. I mean, mm -hmm. at some point, it. It's, it's not going to get better, but what we can do, we need to do everything we can do right now. And our, our, our job right now is to love and share the love of Christ right. and share the hope that Christ brings. And, and so right now, churches in Texas, churches here, we have an amazing opportunity to show compassion and love to hurting people, to scared people, to people who really now are faced with the idea of, okay, like that could have been me. And they start thinking about the turn. They start thinking about their own mortality. And so mm -hmm. that's our, it's an open door because they're sensitive and they're open to the message of, Hey, there is, yeah, we're all, we're all, we're all mortal. Like this is, we're not guaranteed. We're not going to live forever. Mm -hmm. but let me share with you what Jesus has done for us for an eternal life and hope. And I think we have an opportunity to be able to do that. And so my challenge to everyone, and one is this, is if you, if, if you're struggling with thoughts, if you're struggling with anger, if you're struggling, Go get help. Yeah. Get help. Mm -hmm. um, go talk to a pastor. Go find a mental health professional. Go go get help. And um, because look at all the wake of tragedy left behind. And that also would include your family if you were to act out on something. And mm -hmm. and I want to encourage people, if you know somebody who is struggling, man, be proactive. And it's not that we're turning people in. I don't, I'm not encouraging people to turn people but. Go talk to someone and go bring them. Hey, look, I'll go talk with you. I'll go help you. Let me love you. Let me let me pray with you. Let me let me be there for you. And and then the other thing is for our believers and and for our churches is to reach out and use this opportunity. Then let's let's work and share what Christ has done and let's go and try to share comfort and love and hope uh, to those who are really desperately looking for it right now. Yeah, and I I 
echo all of those, John, and I just want to encourage you uh, if if you are if you're a Facebook person or a Twitter person or an Instagram person, um, let me just encourage you not to get fixated and jump into the making things that aren't the point, the mm-hmm. point. Right. Like it's really easy to do to get wrapped up when your opinion is being, you feel like it's being attacked. It's really easy to say no and, and jump on and start trying to demonize the people that you feel like are demonizing you. Mm-hmm. And I just want to encourage Christ followers n- not to get involved in that conversation mm-hmm not to get wrapped up in that conversation. Yes, there is a a right time and a right way to have a healthy conversation about these issues. Mm-hmm. But the answer is not jumping on and throwing a meme that makes light or uses a situation like this mm-hmm. to get your point across. Right, right. Using a tragedy to get your point across is a very ineffective and cheap way to get your point across. Right. And so... Right it makes you look bad and just don't get involved in it. Instead, mm-hmm. share hope mm-hmm. and share what is the answer to issues like this. And the answer's the answer is Christ. Right. And, and it goes a lot. It, it goes, it does, it does go really deep. Um, and just kind of the wrap up, it's very interesting as far as, um, all the, the mass shooters of all the mass shooters, there was this, this percentage that came out about the amount of them that come from fatherless homes. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah. Because what that does is that really, what we should be focused on then even as churches is finding those people, those young people in our neighborhoods that are, do come from broken homes that do come from homes that there is a father missing. Mm-hmm. And then we have a responsibility, not even an opportunity. We have a responsibility to step in and help fill that void and help step up and fill that gap for some people. Cause you never know what right. kind of influence that might have. And so this topic, I and mean, we can go even deeper about the roots of all this and that kind of stuff. It really, it boils down to evil and it boils down to, um, to just sin and brokenness in the world. But there are scenes that we can identify as the church and go, how can we be intentional then to help some of this, right? right? Either finding that marginalized or that outcast and befriending them and loving them, even though it might be difficult to do and they might even get some pushback. And then, okay, well, if we know that 90 something percent of these shooters are coming from fatherless homes, how can I, as a man in the church, be proactive in my neighborhood and watching and looking and, and start stepping in the lives of some of these young men? Um, and trying to help fill that void. And there's all kinds of ways to do that. And that's something we can brainstorm even moving forward. But but the idea is not just saying something, it's time to start doing something. Right. And the doing something is not demonizing the political party or demonizing certain methods. It's, okay, let's do something by living Christ and by mm-hmm. performing out Christ, what James says. So, Absolutely. So um, as you are processing through that, let us uh, encourage you if there's, there's questions that you have as you're working through where is God in all of this, as you're working through your emotions, as you're working through that. I um, want to encourage you to reach out to John or myself. and you All of our information could be found on our website at morningstardayton.org. And we would love to um, share that with you. We'd love to, if you're in the area, uh, welcome you um, to be a part of our Sunday morning um, worship experience and invite you to be a part of that. Um, but we will uh, be back here next week and giving that preview into our our fall, and we're really excited about all the things that God has has got coming up for us um, and can't wait to share that with you. So until next time.